0: To Noise Extra. I'm Gray Holger here with my co host Tara Connolly. Hello. And Mike Connolly. Hello. And it's that time of the year. Our annual Attrax
1: Morgue episode is finally here. It is. And it also happens to be an extra episode this week, as our Wednesday episode was our conversation with Old Tower. And we love this month and Halloween so much that we wanted to do an extra episode this week. We
2: couldn't pick just one.
1: So, it is time to discuss Black Slaughter and, in the tradition of our A-Tracks episodes, we each picked an Italian horror movie in lieu of recent listening, which... I will say we obviously have not done recent listening throughout the month. We'll be back with that in November, as well as listener listening. We still have some of those banked. So while they may be old news for those who submitted, it'll it'll be new news for the people hearing it. So we'll be doling (laughs) those out throughout November.
2: Yes, I love those.
1: Yes. But keeping with our time-honored tradition. Gray, what did you pick for your Italian horror movie spotlight?
0: I'm not going to try to say the Italian title, so we'll just go with its English title, which is The House with the Laughing Windows by Poopy Avati. And that is how you Very- pronounce his nickname. It's His name's Giuseppe, but uh, I watched some of the bonus
1: features this time around, and they call him Pupi. Poopy
2: puppy is so now,
1: cute we watched house of the laughing windows as well and it's one we had never seen and if i'm not mistaken he never made too many horror slash giallo movies is that correct
0: right uh zetter slash revenge of the dead is sort of a zombie movie thing he made uh, but yeah he he did not do a lot of giallo stuff and I don't know why, because this one this one's perfect to me. This is that sort of slow burn gothic horror. I, I see parallels to I see parallels to the beyond because of the painting aspect of it.
1: Well, why don't you give the people a brief synopsis of House of the Laughing Windows? Because I do feel that it is an obscure one in that currently there's no in print press of it. Or at least an easily attainable one. So it's possible that many listeners have not seen it. We had not seen it. So great. What about a little synopsis for the people?
0: Yeah, I'm not going to be great at that because it's a fairly confusing movie in some regards. But I guess the easiest way to describe it is. A there's this guy who is a uh, painter he restores paintings and so they bring him to this town to restore restore a painting of Saint Sebastian at this church a fresco right is uh, painted into the wet plaster when the church was built yep by this uh crazy genius who was who lived in the the village there who like everyone knew and his the the painter's favorite thing to do was paint people uh while they were dying while they were on their deathbeds and so he shows up and his friend referred him to the job and his friends there early on and sort of like, oh, I've got this stuff to tell you. You've got to see the house with the laughing windows and this and that. And there's all this kind of hush stuff about this this painter that no one really wants to talk about. He, the you know, guy who's restoring it is the painting is badly damaged and he's sort of asking around about this painter and its local legend thing. And uh, and then his friend dies. Like, it happens very early in the movie, so I feel like that's not really much of a spoiler. I think that's okay to announce, and even in the opening credits, it's got a very Atrax Morgue vibe because there's a recording 100%. of the painter, and it's these all this whispered, <laughs> frantic Italian, which we even see on this uh, tape that we're going to discuss today.
1: It, the that voice in the beginning. Absolutely, sounds like Marco could have sampled it Mm -hmm. at some point, and and especially the translations. Yes, it's now. Is there? We watched it in Italian. Was there an English version? Uh, I not that I know of. I've only ever
0: watched it or Mm -hmm. you know seen it in Italian. But
1: the translation's incredible, and immediately immediately reads like Marco's lyrics or an approximation of something that Marco would write. So immediately. We're in a tracks land.
2: This film totally has that dream logic element, which makes the strange stilted dialogue that may or not be reflective of actual human behavior, just even that much more odd. And I love when you can't predict what's going to happen next. And I can't imagine anyone being able to predict the next move in this movie or even get a full psychological profile of these deeply strange and flawed individuals. And truly it is eye candy. And the thought of being the only outsider in an obscure Italian town where there's maybe two telephones, one restaurant and you don't have a hotel room. It is that kind of, it it is. And I, I do think it is that like Italian countryside horror, like we would have uh, deep South horror in the US, but being in a strange, um, secluded town absolutely is terrifying in its own way.
1: Yeah. And you never really know where anyone stands. You're constantly questioning what's happening. Yeah. You're constantly questioning. Yes. How much time has passed as well. Yeah. Time is strange in this. You know,
0: a movie it actually has a lot in common with to me in sort of the themes of being a stranger in a strange land is another one of my absolute favorites that I have mentioned on this show a million times is Wake in Fright.
1: Well, you know, I think it's been a long time. There was a time where we mentioned it about every episode, but I think we made a we put a moratorium on it, but I think it's okay to bring it up again.
0: Well, yeah. And and the sort of out of place and not quite sure what's going on, and you can't really trust yourself now. And that it's because of uh, drinking and such. Whereas this, it's he. Everyone's acting very friendly to him, but he obviously has no friends once he loses the the guy who referred to mm-hmm. him. And yeah, the the dreamlike logic, like where uh, early on he he sort of uh, starts uh, spends some time and enjoys the company of this uh, teacher who. Uh, his buddy tells him is a, a very uh, promiscuous woman, but then she's gone like the next mm-hmm. day. And then, but there's a younger teacher there and he sort of starts spending time with her.
1: Yeah. It's so, yeah. It's and, bizarre.
0: and he's not sure of the, the, he can't really, you can't really gauge anyone's motives, but it's basically about him restoring this painting, but also sort of falling into the world of this mad painter and trying to figure out what's going on because he's, he's getting these phone calls and everyone seems really eager to change the subject. It's It's got so much cool mystery to it. It looks really amazing. Even the mm-hmm. opening credits is like the kind of close-ups on paintings kind of thing. It reminded me of Cronenberg's uh, Exist Ends, where it's like the kind of morphing painting stuff. And the the even the opening scene where he arrives by ferry with a single car on it gives you an idea of how isolated they are. And, yeah, the, there's it's about... Obsession and art and agony, and there's murders. It's such a Marco mm-hmm. movie to me.
2: Yeah. Yeah. And it's not opulent like many Jalo are. It is more about decay.
0: Yes. Decay yeah.
2: and an insular world and insular madness. And to what extent does that madness spread when you're in its presence?
1: Actually, in a way, I think the progression will go to discuss the movies today. I think it'll be a great bookend with House of Laughing Windows and with your pick, Tara, because in a way. Oh, you're kind of in the middle. And I'm and my picks kind of in the middle. I, I just you saying that now made me think of it. The you said the same thing and a couple other friends that I had mentioned we were going to watch it. Had a similar. Response in that it's it's so great. And then the ending section takes it to the next yes. level. So obviously we're not going to spoil <laughs> yeah. anything. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But as Grace said, there, there is a slow burn to this. Mm-hmm. There's a myst- There's a mysterious feeling. Tara discusses the dream logic. When that final section hits, it it does come out of nowhere in a way where you almost don't see that it going this direction right and it's i i
0: think it hints at it but you just never quite get it and the, especially some of the reveals are really just berserk but i the whole tone of the movie I, like you said Terry, it's not opulent it's it is really a kind of a drab for a giallo it's very drab the setting isn't a swank hotel with a black glove killer in rome or something it's like rural countryside in fact even uh when the guy who hired him to restore the painting is there he's talking uh, you know uh once the painting is restored it will be the fourth tourist attraction our town has the, the right. other three being yeah. the women the water and silence and i just yeah. love, i love that like the silence yeah. of this place is that one of the tourist <laughs> attractions the isolation of it and that gives you early on that mm-hmm. sets you up for how sort of empty this movie is and you know another kind of Reference point to me is is I know a Connolly favorite is Messiah of Evil, where it's just oh yeah, it's empty and haunted, without directly telling you that it's just it pervades every scene in the film.
1: Absolutely agree. We're really excited that you chose this. It's a movie you have been recommending to us for a while, as with us, sometimes it takes us a minute to get to that uh, recommendation. This has been like Re- a decade plus.
2: No. Yeah, it, it I, truly look, has. Look, I look, think of this movie and I think of look, Grey. And we we turned look, it on and we were like, happens. have we not watched this yet? It I would have sworn we've seen look, this. No. It,
1: it happens. Well, it happens. But the thing is, it's just you know, that much sweeter people. when it hits. <laughs> and really hope one of these companies does a new issue of it Yeah, because it is sadly pretty difficult to pick up, but it's well worth it.
2: It's pretty damn fascinating. It was a really good watch.
1: Uh, Sergio
0: Martino wasn't really given his due until the DVD boom of the mid 2000s. And now, especially with more and more people getting into horror and the streaming services, Mm. Sergio Martino is, is, I see him more often now regarded as a master and his stuff has kind of always been amongst my favorite of the Giallo stuff. Definitely. And I think that once this one gets a wider release by, you know, Severin, Vinegar Syndrome, whoever, yes. you know, one of these wonderful companies that does these really nice restorations and tracks down all these weird elements and shoots new features and commentary. Uh, this one is going to be one of those movies that people are like, wow, House of the Laughing Windows. Yeah, you got to see that one. But now it's just not you know, unless you bought a DVD 15 years ago, you might not know this one. And,
2: you know, we should just hire a restorer and take them to our isolated Italian town and have them restore this film for us. What <laughs> I'm, do you guys let's say? do
1: it. I say we do it. He's going to need to I restore mean. the extras too.
0: I don't know if you watch those, but, uh, they're like mm-hmm. shot on a camera in a dark house with just like, a couple people from the film hanging out and maybe like having a couple drinks
1: and talking it, but it's real weird early, D, early DVD <laughs> yeah. extras they've come extras they're like we'll do and, something
2: everybody will be so happy yeah
1: extras yeah. and restorations have come a long way yeah, that's since true. those early days 100% for sure well before we continue our conversation, a quick word from our sponsor.
2: Established in 1990, Cold Spring is the UK's premier label specializing in new and rediscovered industrial and esoteric music such as Coil, Psychic TV, Mertzbau, MZ412, FM Einheit of Einsters and Neubauten, Trepeneering's Ritualen, Burial Hex, Sleep Research Facility, Zoskia, Film Soundtracks and much more. You can find our large mail order catalog at ColdSpring.co.uk, or in the USA via ForcedExposure.com.
1: Speaking of fantastic restorations, the movie I chose for this episode is one of our absolute all-time favorites. I know it's the three of ours. We, for the three of us, we've loved this for so long, and that movie is Beyond the Darkness, aka Boyo Omega. AKA Buried Alive is one of the AKAs? Oh. Huh. Wonder That's why. That's the, the
0: slipcase well, that do they did you... says Buried Alive.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. And when you say wonder why, I I would I said I would have said the same thing, but we were discussing for the recording it's something that happens way near the end of the movie. This is a movie that I always forget the ending to. Partly because I think there's the there's so many strong scenes in this movie yeah. that I, I can think of specific scenes, and to me, that's the movie. It's
2: just a movie about eating stew and hacking up a body. <laughs> well, I don't know why you are. T- it's eating stew in a bathtub. To a me, body.
1: this is also very much brings me to a morgue. It is mm-hmm. necrophilia. It is death obsession. It is sex obsession. And it's sex
2: after death.
1: Yes. Now. A quick synopsis of beyond the darkness, if you haven't seen it, a young man who is an heir to uh, his family who has passed away, he lives in this insane house in the country. I'm much, I mean, that's the thing with Italian movies. Something we always talk about is how they had access to these incredible houses, yeah. settings, it's an
2: adult orphan who inherited an opulent yes. villa.
1: And his girlfriend is in the hospital. She does pass away. And now he is with Iris, the maid slash caretaker slash all around idol of Terra's.
2: She's a wonderfully brutal woman.
1: Yes. And in fact, in our little extra section over on the Patreon for this episode, we're going to discuss... Halloween in general, some Halloween memories. And I'll say that one of Tara's is related to our Iris. Played by Frank Astopi, who is, she's just incredible. She's in The Other Hell. She's in some other movies, but this is certainly her starring role. Now, our man is so in love with his deceased girlfriend that he does go to retrieve her body from the coffin, from the freshly... Buried coffin brings her back home to the house and now we get the movie, right? He's in love with her. He's got her in a dress laying in a bed. He's a taxidermist, which that comes into play sometimes in Italian movies. In fact, in one of the recent Forgotten Jolly box sets, the third one, there's a taxidermy plot device in uh, Crazy Desires of a Murderer. It's
0: the only one I haven't watched out of that third box yet. It's
1: cool. It's cool. It Highly recommend cool. all those, anyone looking for some off the beaten path giallo. so Some some had been around, but a lot of them had really never seen the light of day. The
0: second box here. is the wider, yeah. the more widely available stuff, yeah. and probably the closest to the tr- traditional giallo, whereas the other stuff mm-hmm. is definitely more. Uh, amateur investigator kind of thing. Yes. And and, exactly. and murder mystery. A very Agatha
1: Christie kind of thing, which I love definitely. those so Oh I'm definitely. I love 100%. all of them. Definitely. But really this whole the whole atmosphere of this movie is very downbeat. It's very grim. It's very depressing. And it's also incredibly gory. Yes. The, and it's it's it, it is a it I would I would say anybody who is averse to visceral gore, mm-hmm. especially intestines, and especially lingering on these things. I, I would stay away from this. I think this is a, I think this could be a very rough movie because it's not gore like a HG Lewis, it's not gore like a Dario Argento. It's gruesome it is viscera. Grim <laughs> and real.
0: It's yeah. Joe D'Amato gore. I mean, that's what there it is. is. It's Joe yeah. There you go. It's it, it it's him. So it's that it's that level of gore, it's that level of slopping meat on the floor and incisions yeah. and the the first like 20 minutes of this movie I could probably play in my head start yes. to finish with no problem. And like you said you you know, you forget yeah. the ending. That's sort of one of those things that's wonderful to happen about these though, but yes. the mood is set so early on at how grim this one is. And soundtrack by Claudio Simonetti. I think I heard the soundtrack before I saw this movie.
1: The soundtrack's soundtrack. amazing. It has this great piano thing that goes through the movie that adds the depression of the movie. And what's great is in the Severin Blu-ray, you get the soundtrack CD, which is fantastic as well. But this, to me, every time we watch it, we think of A-Track's every time we watch it being at least once a year, this is a, this is a staple in this household. And yeah. And the, and the seven Blu-rays take is just miles above the Shriek show DVD, which was great because that's how we had to have it. Right. I mean, that was, mm-hmm. that was just it. We never thought that it was going to go beyond those. Yeah. We never thought it was going to go beyond anchor Bay and blue, uh, you know, the blue underground DVDs. Oh, that's and all sailboat. of a sudden it's the, the Blu-ray Renaissance. And I'm so, I'm so thrilled for it.
2: Yeah. And the people in this film aren't necessarily the high strangeness. They're just deeply and depressingly dissatisfied. Yeah. And it, and it gives this like overarching darkness and doom. But, you know, we always talk about how Iris is one of my favorite characters and Franca Stopi, especially, I I love her as an actress and I, I, she just, Portrays such a different type of woman. She's not a gentle woman. She's not a delicate woman. She is a coarse-handed, brutal woman. And I and I think that it's really enticing. And I and I love that factor about her. And I think that the way they dress her in such an austere, stern like that's why she plays such a good nun. Um, there's somehow like this raw savagery comes through and it's very sexy uh, in the way that she plays all her roles. And it's like she has too many teeth in her face, uh, which every time you see her smile, you're like, oh my God, she has 50 teeth in her mouth. And it's great because she can give you such a cold and ominous smile through a lovely face and lovely effect. So I, that's one of the reasons I absolutely adore this film.
0: How many teeth are you supposed to have in your face?
2: It's in the 30s. 20. Okay. 30. 33. <laughs> I don't know. Do you have molars somewhere in that area?
1: <laughs> but love this movie. If you are in an atrial zone, if you want to think about death, you want to think about obsession. This is a perfect necrotic movie. love. Exactly. This is a perfect movie for that. Again, I would. It even says on the cover, "Forbidden to anyone under 18, Out of all the movies today, I would actually say, yeah. "Heads up! This is a this. It's a rough. Can one. be a very rough one. Yeah. Yeah. I, I wouldn't would say watch
2: that. it with like you know. It's not one to watch with like a a like your parents. I a wouldn't teenager. say any of the movies
1: that no, we're talking about today no. would. I, <laughs> Watch. That may be
2: scarring to a youth. Yeah. It's not like uh it's not like you know, nightmare on Elm
1: Street for sure. It's fantastic though. Well, Tara.
2: Some highly adult films here.
1: Oh. For adults only.
2: Speaking of Sergio Martino, I chose the case of the scorpion's tail. Love
1: this one. And like I said, just when you had said that, I feel it's in a way the opposite as far as look and setting from House of the Living Windows.
2: Yeah, this film is set in London, Athens and Greece and has such lush atmosphere. You get yachts, you get strange hotel rooms that you would only find in Europe You get gorgeous costumes on beautiful women with traditionally gorgeous teeth and truly an air of mystery at every twist and turn. There are savage murders. There is a husband who is mysteriously killed in an exploding airplane crash and a wife who inherits a million dollars. And then after she collects the million dollars disappears abruptly what happened to her who stole the money where'd the money go where's her lover where's the husband what is going on in this crazy film it's great but it is a a violent murder mystery and i truly truly enjoyed it
0: there are some serious attracts moments in this one too Yes. yes uh one comes when uh the killer is trying to get into someone's house and the jiggling the door lock and it slowly raises and then she rushes and throws a bar down across the door and he starts stabbing at the door. we trying to lift the bar with a knife, but mm-hmm. then stabbing at it and carving a hole in yes. the door so he can then see through. It is absolutely terrifying. There's also a, a real terror moment in this one, which is when uh, someone is chasing the killer to a rooftop and then takes a takes a turn looking for them in sort of an abandoned room on the on the roof, some kind of enclosure, and there's just a bunch of creepy dolls, like missing eyes, <laughs> laying all around there. I was like, oh, yes. <laughs> yes. of course, this is Tara's pick.
2: Yes, oh, I love that part. And there's a cave,
0: and there there is a cave. And there's one of my favorite moments in this one is uh, when when the amateur sleuth, which is played by George Hilton, he's a investigator for the insurance company trying Boy, to figure out. Boy, he's great. I mean, Sergio Martino used George Hilton so yes. much. Uh, and fantastically, I, he's great in all the movies, really. But there's a part where he's talking with the police, and the police detective is like doing a puzzle on his desk, which I guess must be like a real common thing in Italy. Just you're you're a police detective in your office, but you have like a, a 250 piece puzzle, and uh, George Hilton's character. Yeah, it's not puts, that
2: many pieces.
0: <laughs> puts I know George Hilton's character puts the last piece of the puzzle in. It's a, it's the easiest one. It's the only piece left and there's only one hole, but he's like, "Oh, that he goes, that piece goes right there." Yeah, <laughs> and I was yeah like, yeah. What, what is this yeah. weird metaphor we're playing at here with this one? I know. That was I love that. <laughs>
2: there's so many details in this that reflect that. Like again, it's chock-full of red herrings. It is the type of movie you watch and then you immediately want to watch it again just, you know, after you see the final there's, pieces come into play you're like okay I'm gonna go again let's I want to watch it with fresh eyes everything's it's, a red
0: herring it's very every exciting. character yes. is a is a red herring anything and that's not. introduced is yeah. well yeah and not of course but yeah it, it's actually it's really good in that way that it sort of sets it up so early on but then just keeps throwing stuff at you in the in the goofiest way like when he has to move his car or you know these little things mm-hmm. where you're Parks like What's car? so oh. strangely by the way
1: Why? <laughs> well, he should have to move he should his have car. Moved his car. He <laughs> hurts, like, He's like a so total weird.
0: asshole. Yeah. He
2: blocked like a lane and a driveway on the road.
0: <laughs> also, though, Shame I would probably on him. knock if I needed to, him to move his car.
1: True. <laughs> the, I would also I would have say call the police because clearly a maniac parked that car. I would also say that the killer the killer's clothes look very much like <sighs> Marco's live
2: they really do, Clothes in those videos,
1: just the shiny leather. Trench coat. Yeah. Pants, the coat. Pants. It, it looks like mm-hmm. it could be Marco getting ready to go do a set.
2: Yeah, we got classic slasher here.
0: Yeah, this is the most traditional of the three, yes. which is not surprising because, yes. again, Sergio Martino. And he did what I, I guess he's informed what I think of as the traditional giallo so much in sort of the wake of Argento and and earlier bava is that his movies were just those elements they're the they're sort of the distilled versions of those things boiled down to kind of churn out in fact this one is so very Sergio martino because and this is if you if you watch uh all the colors of the dark or strange vice of mrs ward Mm -hmm. The first half to two thirds of the movie takes place and there's all this stuff going on. And then the last third of the movie is at one location and it's super tense. Our torso is that way too.
1: Yeah. Yeah. In fact, we've represented him on all of our a episodes. Torso (laughs) and All Colors of the Dark were previous oh, picks, picks earlier yeah. Yeah. and then the three of us also did a home time episode on strange vice so yeah this had no liege clearly...
2: in it but you got right. anita strindberg which yes. is phenomenal again all the characters and, uh, are uh, super dynamic and there are so many people in this <laughs> So many it does characters have a huge introduced. Cast. Yeah. Yeah, it's wild.
1: Evelyn Stewart is also in it, who is in Murder Mansion. Oh, she's on the so cool. Third forgotten Jolly Box, yeah. which is cool.
2: She has such a haunted and sad face. I, I truly enjoy watching her.
1: Any of these three movies will perfectly complement your A Morgue Slaughter Productions zone as we are in the final weekend of October leading to Halloween where many A tracks recordings were done on October 31st.
0: I'd listened to this one casually before, but hadn't really dug into it. And I had never seen the insert that came with your copy, which How has phenomenal breakdowns and info for each track, which is really special. And this one's, I guess well, I, I wouldn't say it's unique, but it's one of the... I wouldn't say it's unusual for it, but it doesn't have vocals. It has samples and synth work and atmosphere. And it doesn't have, you know, last time we did Woundfucker, and that's just... That's got the classic Marco vocals on it, whereas this is a this is a different audio journey, and I, we're better for it. I mean, it's so cool to... Really, soak in this atmosphere, and that's that's what it does.
2: this is even dare I say a guided meditation, given the note page that accompanies it. He sets the scene in noting the presentation and notating listening notes and notes on samples and each track,
1: yes, and this is why I thought this would be a really great one to do this year. We've done Paranoia and we've done Woundfucker, both vocals in what most people would probably consider classic A-tracks, mm-hmm. especially having vocals. So I thought it'd be cool to do one without vocals. And the fact that we have the notes is what's going to really set this one off. Yeah. We have
2: Marco's insight into each one. So you don't just have to hear what we're thinking. Now we can hear what Marco was
1: thinking. Exactly. So we're going to read the notes as we discuss the tracks as well. No notes for the
0: intro and outro tracks, uh, both titled Black Slaughter, the name of the cassette. But those are also both sort of grinding, maniacal, unpredictable synth things with cu- like kind of cutting out, breaking up, and really nasty.
1: It it cuts out in so strangely that I kept thinking that our tape was getting eaten. It's
0: it's actually worrying. I, I it is.
2: Yeah, I just thought it was a handheld recorder of some sort of bone saw or chainsaw, so, and then that's why it was cutting in and out because it was getting blown out, and it you
1: know so in my mind where what i associated with it with yes was a bone saw because so much of this is about death about autopsy and that's what is used to open the skull so it feels to me that that's what we start with now the first note before The Mind of a Killer, Atrax Morgue, Black Slaughter, Presentation. This tape is the result of a study in the psychopathological area. The concept is to create sounds connected with a twisted brain, a murderer, a person who has abnormal attitudes with society. It would not be music, and it's a side project of Atrax Morgue. So that confused me, and I still don't know what he meant by that mm-hmm. because it says A Morg. Morgue. It's listed as A Trax Morgue. I'm not sure <laughs> what he meant by saying it's a side project of A Trax Morgue. Did you have any insight to that, Gray?
0: No, and it's strange because this is the second cassette on Slaughter. This is after In Search of Death. So, right. Well, you got a side project, but it's still your project on your second tape on your label. I don't know. I, I don't really understand what that meant, but uh, hey, cool. Yeah. I, I
2: just assumed it was something that was strange with the translation, which is generally, you know, working toward that increased
0: mystery. Yeah, it might mean it's uh, another but, side of Atrax Morgue. Yeah, yes. like
2: another facade, like another face of Attrax Morgue, because clearly this is a different style.
1: Yes, and now... Our copy of the tape, now I've never seen another slaughter tape like this. And again, we've been discussing these slaughter anomalies, so I'm not sure if they're all like this, but our tape is actually small. It's it's cassette size. The the package mm-hmm. is fits the cassette.
0: My homicidal it's, texture is that size.
1: Okay, there you oh, go. Well, there you go. So it is a wraparound cover with the tape and the insert, but it's not the oversized A five size. That we come to, that we've come to know and associate with slaughter, so after our intro, we get to the mind of a killer, and we'll read from Marco's notes. This track is based on the confessions of the homicidal killer Ted Bundy. It's taken from the seven inch murder. The sample is. And I know it's not more professional, but I think it's important for my work. Ted was charged with 100 or more murders. That's incorrect. But it's possible. I don't think he would have done 100, but he certainly murdered more people than he was charged for Mm -hmm. that he was convicted of. And that's even suspected. There's certainly more. In this confession, he talks to James Dobson, and he expresses his troubles before the sentence. He was condemned to death in january of eighty nine and this is from the famous one of the last interviews he did before his execution. Great, you have the murder seven inch that this is taken from right the sample i do yeah
0: yeah i've I've had that one for a long time it is audio recordings of murderers talking
1: and the sounds on this is incredibly simple, bare, low synth tone.
0: Yeah, it is a, just a dead inactive. It's a dead inactive synth drone. It doesn't do anything. It's just there to set a mood. And, you know, we talk about what, noise can do that other music can't. And this is one of those things where this is really storytelling and this is really painting a picture and this is focused more on the atmosphere and the information being conveyed than it is on any sort of musical composition, which I think is part of what he means when he says it would not be music in the beginning part of the liner notes in that, Guided meditation is, I guess, kind of the right way to think of it because it is. It's there's Most of these have a, a synth track and then something happening or something not happening.
1: Or something totally not happening. Yeah.
0: And that's special. And that's special to hear this with Atrax. I mean, it's closer to something like Cranium that he would be doing uh, also quite early on on Slaughter.
2: Ted Bundy's violence and improvisation in violence is shuddering and terrifying, but then the way he handles it and adamantly denying it and the different stages of Bundy blaming pornography, Bundy blaming society, Bundy movies talking about violent movies. movies. Yeah. All all of all of the twists and turns of Bundy's mind, just always looking for that out, always looking for a way to play somebody. Like he didn't just prey on people physically he really you can tell took joy in manipulating people psychologically and he has always been you know to me the scariest ser- serial killer and this track has all of those elements present on it
1: Bundy was a bullshitter to the end 100% and this it, the this interview is that he mm-hmm. was he never stopped bullshitting No, everyone around him probably himself. He, when he blames S and M pornography and, you know, he's saying, you know, you get addicted to this stuff and you just, you want the harder stuff and you want the harder. I've seen it. I've seen these guys behind bars. They were all into pornography. And the, mm-hmm. and, the, and I also love the way he's the way he talks. Like, 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 he know, like I, I'm, I'm a little wiser than these guys. Mm-hmm. I can see that they were addicted to the pornography. He's Even the down, scholar. Yeah. He's, yes. he's the expert. And, and he loved that, which is which, detachment. Which then we get to the book Riverman, where mm-hmm. he does ha- attempt to assist the search for the Green River Killer. And again, they were preying on his ego, knowing that he would love to be considered this expert in serial killers that he would be the one to have he these can crack ideas. the case. And he did have some great ideas that maybe mm. would have worked had they listened to him. Some of them you couldn't do. One thing that is used in a lot of Giallo plot points that is totally illegal is using a someone as bait. Yeah. And he had that idea for that you would use someone as bait to catch. It might actually work. but mm-hmm. that that's the thing. It's just totally you can't do that. But he discussed
2: going back to the body. Though. Yeah,
1: yeah, which is true. Which which is true, and which which mm-hmm. which Ridgeway would do. And this, just hearing his voice, I, I love Ted Bundy. I he's I could watch interviews of Ted Bundy. You can watch footage of him being his own lawyer.
2: Oh, my God. I wish
1: there was more. I mean, I know there's a ton. I've only ever seen maybe an hour or so, but that's something I could just have on uh, at any time because it's just watching him. Watching his brain go.
0: He's playing chess at all Uh, times up there. It's really Mm -hmm. he's he's really got his eye on however many moves ahead and what he can do to engineer the best position for himself. Yeah.
1: Yes.
2: Yeah. He's a, he's an absolute predator of humans. I mean, yes. and that's what it is. He's going to prey on you psychologically. And, and if he's given the opportunity, he will prey on you physically. And, and that is
1: one of the great books. The only living witness is one of the closest things he comes to confessing. It's, he does it in the style of, well, if I had done it, here's what I have yeah, done. Exactly. And that was one of the earliest true crime books. I read in high school, and it's always the one where I've forever instructed Tara to never help anybody <laughs> who acts like they have a broken arm, acts we like they, they have a crutch. Acting. Just walk away because you know what? That's what Ted Bundy did. The Ted Bundy did also a rare thing where he, he, would kill multiple women in a day or in a one over one night. Of course, one of the, the, the The sorority sorority killings, killings. but even one of his first killings was two in one day, which is a rare thing. You obviously see that in slasher movies, Mm. but it's generally pretty rare. Richard Speck would do it. It happens, but it was all, it was just a rare thing. And I also just love him blaming movies. These movies I've seen on, cable you, they would boil oh boy
2: that like he's oh, a I concerned
1: like, parent right. well,
2: well i like when he does confess to doing some things wrong like oh, to he's, rudeness he's like, you know, he's like yeah he's like stealing comic books yeah, that's a five what he said. Oh, i've
1: been inconsiderate you know he's have yeah, oh yeah, been inconsiderate oh
2: oh, oh. so so marco nailed this track yes um i think he really picked some quintessential words of Ted Bundy that Absolutely. encapsulate again, his absolute predatory nature and bullshit. Yes. If
1: you will. Bullshitter to the
0: end. But then we come up on necroscopic examination and well, here's what Marco has to say. The postmortem examination is the first inspection on the dead body. The doctor can describe the cause of death through simply autopsy or examining the body all around. This is the soundtrack for an operating theater with cold, pale green paving tiles inside. Cadavers on the dissecting tables, death odors, aseptic odors. Here we go, death odors. I mean, this is the second. Cassette. Yes. This is referencing, you know, what would what would come a little later, and this is cyclic synth work, just a very simple synth thing. But there's this sound of metal rubbing or something that comes in and out and it's just empty and, and the cold feelings of death. That's all it is. This it's, it's so empty.
2: Yeah. It has that throbbing singular light source feeling, you know, like the undercurrent with that, just like one bare bulb. And it really took me to, the scene in the beyond with the bodies waking up in the morgue. Again, that green tile.
1: Yes. Absolutely. Gray, have you ever watched an autopsy video? I have. Yeah. So I know
0: know you have, so I don't need to ask. Yes.
1: (laughs) Yes, I have. I have too. Yes, and it is as cold and clinical as this track is because there is this silence and there is this sense of you're dealing with the dead, but you're also doing this medical procedure, technical procedure and you're, but it's also very, it's, it's austere at the same time as it is visceral much like beyond the darkness in a way and it's also so professional yeah and when you see detached from humanity yes thank you and when you see what we're made up of yeah gut soup it's It's shocking how flimsy we are in a way.
2: Yeah, it makes you feel very fragile. I did some time in gross anatomy labs in college and um, I was so taken aback. They bisect the, the cadavers for students' purposes so you can kind of get a grip on everything. And people looked like an ant farm on the inside. Like it truly... Like the entire torso area looked like the inside of an ant farm.
0: Have you seen, I know we're done with the movie portion of.
1: That's okay. Episode, I mean, look, have, this, it's <laughs> Atrex. We're going to talk yeah. about movies. Atrex used these movies so much to talk about the things he wanted to talk about. Well,
0: this is sort of a, it's, it's a, it's a Mondo film. It's sort of more of a documentary, a Roseco the embalmer from I think 2001. Oh, yes. We own that one. Saw that probably around the same time as as uh, Cannibal Man, which is another sort of grim, miserable movie.
1: Uh, I have actually not seen that, but I don't it know just Cannibal got Man. a reissue.
0: Oh, nice. I think yep. Severn did it. Uh, Code Red did it under like the apartment on the 13th floor, I think, is one of its other titles. It's a, a very grim movie also. But those two back to back was a, a gut punch in the early 2000s of like total misery. I mean, that Roscoe, the embalmer. F- follows the work of through several years of a Colombian embalmer Colombian embalmer in a very impoverished part of Colombia and shows him like working on corpses a
1: bunch it's really rough and it, it is a real documentary yes. it's it's yeah. not a, a film a yeah. fictionalized film it's a, it's real and it right. is very rough and absolutely that's the the dirty version of it th- there's no sterile anything. Yeah, in that yeah. Movie. No. yeah. Whereas
0: what Marco's conveying is the cold steel and tile and scent of of bleach and disinfectant.
1: Yeah, yes. clinic. And he really captures it in this. And then we get to morte, which we get another sample on this. This one being in Italian. Tara, will you read the notes for morte?
2: This track is structured with a voice collage. The voice says, Voglio verdetti morire, I want to see you die. The voice repeats three words in the classic schizophrenic maniacal style. It's usually frequent in the schizophrenic, the very disturbed mind.
0: Yeah, this is the obsession. This ties into, of course, yes. you know, the, when we're talking about House of the laughing windows, that's one of those things that when listening to this, like, yes, it has that, That repeat, that repetitive thing. Although this is a, you know, a sample saying the same thing over and over again, even in the sort of frantic things we see in the movies where it's someone just repeating it over and over again or saying variations on a thing. And this one again is just a simple, low cycle, nothing else really happening until you get towards the end where there's an added buzz to it. And then it just ends.
1: I love the way this he uses the sample, and it drops at different times. Different sections of the sample drop. Very curious as to what movie this this is from. I, it's very possible we've all seen this movie. It's very possible we <laughs> owned right. this movie.
2: It feels familiar, doesn't it? Very it familiar. Really does.
1: So anyone out there who knows what movie this is from, please let us know. It's that throb. His. Patience and willingness to keep the simplicity of the synth is so admirable. And I mm-hmm. that's something I love about his work forever is that it, much like you said earlier, the thing that noise does that other music can't, He he, he has a vision for what he wants the synth to do and he lets it do that without feeling the need to muck it up with 50 layers. Mm-hmm. He's not 50 playing effects. it. He's right. setting
0: it for a purpose. He's, right. he's controlling it to a point and then letting it work in the way that he has set it to do. And yeah, you're right. It is. It's really admirable. It's really difficult, especially for those of us who have trouble with restraint and simplicity and try to overcomplicate things, which I certainly get into sometimes. And it's evident throughout this entire cassette is this level of control and discipline in letting things just be. I hear he prepared this tape, he plays it over it, and then it it ends and it conveys the story he wants to tell.
2: Yeah, it's absolutely focused on the idea that he is working with in a way that you would, again, be obsessed with something. And much like when Marco is using his voice, he is laid bare. He can also use electronics in that way where he is laying them bare and showing this vulnerability that, again, the vulnerability in our life a vulnerability of being human and, and also the vulnerability of just these, thoughts of a mad person and he's really being in touch with that side i think is is what we can all relate
1: to absolutely and we are in apartment 213 immediately and here are the notes from marco Based on the facts from Milwaukee, 1978-1991, Jeffrey Dahmer is a middle-aged man who killed, ate, and dismembered his victims, 17, in his apartment. The story is already known. This track recreates the sadness, the tragedy, and the true gory facts that happened in Dahmer's apartment, 213. Now, most of the murders would take place in his apartment. There, the 1978 one, obviously, was before that, and took place in not and did not take place in apartment two and three. But almost all of his murders would, and this track gives us a new palette. It's hollow. And there's more of a haze to it. And maybe that's the haze of the victims being drugged. The drunkenness that Dahmer would have to get himself to because mm-hmm. Dahmer is an interesting one in that the murder was not the end goal. The murder was a thing he had to do to achieve the end goal. And it was the thing he didn't want to do. He would have to get hammered to do it. And it was after the murder is when Dahmer's goal would start to
0: be achieved. Having a companion. Mm -hmm.
1: Exactly. And he didn't want them to leave. That was his, that was his whole thing. He wanted to keep them with him. And for him, in order to do that, it meant to kill them, keep them in his tub. He had many ways of, disposing of the bodies, including the blue barrel where he would put the bodies in acid. He would also cut up body parts, keep them in the freezer, in the fridge. He would also pose the victims and take pictures. Yeah. Truly, truly one of the grimmest cases of all time. And I like that Marco points out the sadness of The entire case because I think that is something with Dahmer I think there is a sadness and a Mm -hmm. tragedy that goes along with Jeffrey Dahmer and I think this track there's these distant screams Mm -hmm. right
0: yeah you know I said there's no vocals on this but this may indeed be Marco uh, yowling and, and yelping
1: because it's very distant and so it could be a sample or it could be him but it's Unclear. The whole track is unclear in a purposeful way. It feels very hazy. Yes, hollow, distant. But maybe that's the what's happening behind the door of apartment two and Oh,
2: three. I, I I was thinking that it would be the sounds of the head in a pot, uh, and that's what you would hear from the pot. Uh, I saw a, a larger version works. of that,
0: sort of the bottom of the well, because uh, the synth is. Of, a, I wrote a splatter decay synth. It really is kind of more all over the place than, yeah. these mm-hmm. other pieces so far. It feels less controlled and it also feels closer to something like MB because it has this delay on it that's just giving oh, it all yes. this atmosphere and these reflections. Uh, but it feels it makes it feel distant and and sort of larger than it is, and so it gave me that. The the howling was outside of the well you're trapped in or something. It's a very a freak out for lack of a better term, really. It's agonized. And it it
1: really is. Yeah. And speaking of movies, I would say if you're interested in Jeffrey Diamond and haven't seen it, the secret life I always make a point to point out that it is the secret life. Jeffrey Dahmer, it's not called The Secret Life of Jeffrey Dahmer, yes. it's The Secret Life colon Jeffrey Dahmer it was made around this time, it was 93 92 or 93, Dahmer was still alive actually mm-hmm. when it was being made and it's, it just very matter of factly goes through the murders, there's some that are put together Combined, it's not 17 yeah. murders, there yes. are some that are yes. put together just for running time, but it it's really well done it's it's low budgetness adds to the atmosphere of it because it is quite low budget. The guy looks very much like Jeffrey Dahmer, and it has again a very sad, tragic grim feel to it and would be if you would basically if you were to watch that and be on the darkness and then listen to this on the same day, it would be a very dark day. Maybe that's what you want to do this Halloween. I fully support it.
0: Just going to throw in another recommendation for The Secret Life, Jeffrey Dahmer. Uh, It is one of the best serial killer movies, like, based on a true thing. A lot of those ones that have come out in the past 20 years have not felt, they feel very much like movies, and this feels a lot, it's a lot grimmer, a lot nastier, and a lot more real. Yeah, it feels
2: like you're in a $300 a month apartment. In Number two one three in Milwaukee, Wisconsin. Yes. Full Working of stale beer vomit and
1: stink. And maybe some ambrosia chocolates from work. Yeah. And speaking of as Gray referred to the Orzoco movie Mondo documentary style movies, Necrosadism takes its sample from true gore. True Gore is one that I've actually not seen. I'm aware of it, and I know the cover. But it's in the traces of death lineage of actual death footage, interviews with, well, in this case, a woman who was sexually gratified by molesting corpses. Gray, have you seen True Gore? I have
0: not. I've seen a a good amount of the Mondo Flicks. i'm sure we both uh, can think of someone right now who definitely has it <laughs> uh-huh. well, that's and sure. that's who
1: i saw the cover from because when he was re- i was he received it and immediately i can't remember if he brought it to show me or sent me a picture because he was quite excited to get his hands on an original copy but this interview and i and i this is my only Exposure to this interview is the sample on this track. As I mm-hmm. said, I've not seen the the movie, nor have I seen this clip. Sometimes you see clips from those yeah. movies. It's just not one I'm familiar with. Were Were you at all familiar familiar with this one, Gray?
0: No. Yeah, you're right. Sometimes they've been cannibalized and put on ten right. other videos, and and some of those are just re edits of greatest hits from the other sort of videos like that. But this i this one I was unfamiliar with, and it
1: sets a really grim grim mood Ooh, to this yeah. piece. Oh, yes. And this one, the synth, has this great loop ascension, dissension element. A psychoacoustic recording? Absolutely. Actually, Tara, why don't you go ahead and read the notes?
2: This track is based on the confession of a woman who has sexual gratification mutilating dead bodies. It's called Necrosadism. She also takes gratification in the physical contact with cadavers and she has sexual fantasies connected with death. In the left channel of the speaker, you can hear the voice of the woman. The track has a special psychoacoustic recording. The confession is taken from True Gore, a video by the Gore Brothers.
1: And it really conveys that. That synth line is just... It's one of those synth lines that you can just see when he got it, when he nailed it. He just sat back and <laughs> he's like, "That's yeah. that's it." Yeah. And it also has. There's also another. This seems to have a, another layer to it as well.
0: I I kind of thought that there was uh, maybe music or something from where he pulled the sample from where that interview was
1: probably from. Oh, and it just started yeah. messing with mm-hmm. the way I was just hearing it
0: in there. Yeah. And there's there's a lot of hiss from the sample too. When it's playing, it's really yeah pulled off of a VH, a probably third generation VHS copy yeah. of, you know, wherever Marco got it. And that adds to the voyeuristic nature of this whole thing too, is having these samples and other people talking and hearing these out of context confessions as they were.
2: Yeah, something about a cassette tape sample.
1: It just gives uh, that extra layer, that extra mm-hmm. ambience.
2: It's really good.
1: That etch, extra sketchy atmosphere, and I know it's something we've talked about before, probably on a, one of our other a tracks episodes. But it's that time ninety three. Obviously, something like True Gore is real stuff, but even. Giallo's and even the Italian movies are talking about something like Beyond the Darkness. Seeing something like Beyond the Darkness in the 90s, when you could only get a VHS from somewhere, a weird version of it from some video store, and you put it on, and the way it looks and the way it sounds, it felt sketchy. The first time I ever saw Cannibal Holocaust, the version I got was the only way you could get it was a it was a ta- a VHS that was taken from the, the movie was taken from a Japanese laser disc. So many laser there's a, discs. There's a VHSes. point in the middle of it where it, that goes to blue when the person's flipping it, obviously, but there was a cover and everything, mm-hmm. but it felt truly like I wasn't supposed to be seeing this. Now we have the great blue restorations. We have all the extras. We have the great covers, things have soundtracks, etc. Digitally.
2: We have access to them. But yeah.
1: Back. In this time, it was a very different thing finding these movies, picking these movies up, feeling like you're one of the only people in the world to see this, questioning the motives of the filmmakers themselves. What what was Joe Damato thinking when he made this? Back when we saw this the first time, it just felt you just you felt dirty, and you felt that there was there was a very nefarious thing behind these movies.
2: Well that'd be like picking up a black slaughter tape and not Same knowing thing. what it is.
1: Same thing. Right. Same thing. The context there there wasn't a podcast to discuss it. Yeah. There wasn't websites to chronicle every version of everything. You may have been the only person you knew or a couple people who knew this. So you felt it felt different. And I think it's conveyed so well in this tape, and I think the lack of vocals gives it even more of a sketchy nature. We come to the end before the little bit of a coda, but the proper end death for company it
0: feels again uh sort of like a feels again like a Dahmer reference, perhaps again like trying to keep his victims as as company, as companions.
1: Dahmer, as well as the person commonly thought of as the UK Dahmer, though it happened a decade before, Dennis Nilsen, Right, his book. Mm-hmm. There's a book about him called Killing for Company, right? Mm-hmm. Death for Company. This idea that you're killing someone so that they're with you forever. Nilsen would keep his victims. And, of course, Marco would... Reference Nilsson with his self-abuse tape.
2: And also, if you think death is a beautiful lady who's coming to claim you.
1: Which is what Marco said.
2: Then you can be by yourself and waiting for death to come and have death for company.
1: Well, this is what Marco says about death for company. This is the final track of the tape. And it symbolizes death as a great experience. We are living, but we want to be dead. Death is an experience of the living, and living is an experience of death. We are ready, and
2: I love that death is an experience of the living.
1: That is, it's true, phenomenal. It's true, and it is, and the way he puts it so perfectly, and that the final thing he says is, "We are ready." This is the most minimal. Talk about stripping it all away. This is patient, quiet, warm, and the final letting go. Felt like being dragged through the mud. The
0: synth sound was just corroded and nothing. Crackling a bit. You know, there's some issues with it. I don't know. It's, It's... just feels so devoid of anything. You know, I noticed. Me, sorry.
2: I was gonna say that that sound gave me ear fluttering.
0: And I notice here at the end of these notes, it's signed Marco Rotula. Yes. Mm-hmm. A name he would use early on, on, on a lot of things.
1: Of course, we end then with the outro of Black Slaughter, another bone saw recording i'm calling it a bone song
0: very crude it's a very mm-hmm. crude very crude sounding piece uh both you know the beginning version and this end version a minute long each
1: and on the back of the tape to reiterate what we've heard from the notes the sounds recorded on this tape are connected with the world of psychopathology serial murder Necrophiliac Activities, Mental Disease, Schizophrenia. And recorded September 93. So we're close to the Halloween recordings of a This one just being a little before in September. It's fall. It's the, it's the heading into the Halloween season, which we are now about to come to the finale of as well here. And one more little thing on the cover. When you open it up on the inside, we have a note that reads
2: For heaven's sake, eat me before I kill more. I cannot control myself.
1: And that was a note written by
2: one they call the lipstick killer, believed to be William Hirens. I don't know if it's Herons or Hirons, um, a gentleman from Chicago, he would have been around 17 at the time he was apprehended. And this note was written on the wall of the first victim and people were scouring Chicago, looking for the killer. And then a six year old girl disappeared shortly after. And the six year old girl was later found dismembered in a dustbin, And it was also the same killer Uh, He was convicted in 1946, and he was Chicago's longest-standing inmate. He spent 65 years in prison.
0: Damn.
2: So it's still questioned as to whether or not he actually committed the murders, or if he was just mentally ill and was tortured into confession. So there, um, there are many books and films that you can watch about it, but surely the writing. On the wall and the victim's lipstick is quite an image and goes along perfectly with the theme of Black Slaughter.
1: Absolutely does. Well, Marco, as always, we thank you for every release that you were a part of, whether or not it's A-Trax Morgue, whether or not it's Mortar Machine, whether or not it's a release on Slaughter that you helped facilitate. It will always be with us, and we will always revisit Slaughter and Atrax. And you know, next year this time, we'll be doing another episode. Always.
0: If we have any tradition with this podcast, it's this one.
1: It absolutely mm-hmm. is. Well, we're going to go over on the Patreon and discuss Halloween itself. So we'll see you over there. And thank you. Thank you.
2: You've been listening to Noise Extra. Noise Extra is brought to you by Chondritic Sound, a home to noise artists for over 17 years, by Veridant Weapons, maker of quality contact microphones and noise devices, and by our Patreon supporters. You can find our Patreon at patreon.com noiseextra noise extra, and your support really helps. You can find us on Instagram at Noise Extra, on the web at NoiseExtra.com, one E in those, and on Twitter at Noise Extra with three A's at the end. Thank you for listening to us and to Noise.